I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Alec Baldwin. This past season on my podcast, Here's the Thing, I spoke with more actors, musicians, policymakers, and so many other fascinating people, like jazz bassist Christian McBride. Jazz is based on improvisation, but there's very much a form to it. You have a conversation based on that melody and those chord changes. So it's kind of like giving someone a topic and say, okay, talk about this. Listen to the new season of Here's the Thing on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man, who was called Mal Evans, who was on roadie, and uh, <clears throat> I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Rohan Nakani, joined today by my good friend, the King of Harlem, New York Times, best-selling author of the book, Blood in the Garden, Chris Herring is back. Chris, how's it going, buddy? I'm I'm good, man. I'm uh sitting amongst many, many, many boxes. Uh <laughs> I remember thinking when I was moving, oh I don't I'm not moving that much stuff. And now I'm looking at my office in this room and yeah. It's nice looking, but it's wow. And I've got people coming to hang TVs later and um plug in my cable and my internet. I'm I'm using my phone as a personal hotspot to do this podcast <laughs> oh wow so i don't even have internet i've lived here for a week now with no internet it's been bad it's been rough so trying to watch basketball has been rough um with my laggy uh personal hotspots but anyway i'm good though i say all that to say i'm i'm happy to be settling in it's it's kind of cool to be back in new york after so long um but yeah i appreciate it how are you I'm good, man. I don't want to, you know, you know how people get about our tangents. Shout out to Daryl Swenson. I told Just you, Daryl. <laughs> did I tell you Daryl sent us a follow-up email? Because I guess he finally heard one of the episodes and he said, He did. Hello, yeah. I love you. Yeah, so shout out to Daryl. Yeah, but, he, he sounds like a good sport, man. Like, I, I actually would like to. I sure. always think it's cool when we have like a, a, a playful joke with a fan. I'd, I'd love to meet Daryl at some point. Of shout course. out to you listening and, and everybody else that's a loyal listener to you guys. Um, Don't you find it? Embarrassing is not the right word, but don't you ever get a little bit upset with yourself sometimes when you're like, I should know how to hang this TV up. Like, I wish I was the kind of guy who knew how to like build tables and stuff. You know what I mean? Bro, the amount of money I spent on TaskRabbit in the last three weeks, (laughs) moving my stuff out of Chicago, my fiance has snakes. And so building the thing that holds her snake tanks, like, Like between that, I have seen my super, the super of this building more than I've seen my fiance this week with all the different little fix 
fixes. Did you have, to, did you have to find a building that was snake friendly? No. Uh, I mean, I don't think you even have to win buildings. Ask if you have pets. I think they're generally just I think that's code for like, do you have dogs or cats? They don't care about things that you could keep in a tank. They at don't least not care about things that could kill you. Like a man, snake, a corn snake and a ball python, not about to, about to kill you, man. They might kill each other. Now, she had to put her snakes in, in the same tank one night because she hadn't had the other one built yet. Um, and so that was interesting because you're I don't think you're like supposed to do that. You can. It's like not super high risk that they're going to harm each other. But I was super like, even though these aren't my snakes, I was super on the lookout because I'm like, uh, that one is bigger than the other and it might be hungry and. Uh, it was interesting to watch their little cat and mouse game, but it's fun. It's kind of fun, like having. I'm not a pet owner now, but like my fiance is, and like watching a different species of animal that you haven't owned before or lived with before is is interesting. But my my fiance is a super interesting person. I think she's wonderful. Yeah, I have. I'm gonna have to bring her on the pod because I got a million questions. <laughs> I'm about to, to tell her. Me. She's been texting me right yeah. since right before we got yeah. on. She's she's probably gonna be honored to be asked. I'll ask her if um, she wants to make an appearance. I've- we need her and Danny Green, also famously a pet snake owner, on the pod together. Shout out to Danny Green. Yeah. Shout out to Danny Green making his way back super soon, consider- considering how uh, yeah how how serious his injury was last year, last season. Um, Chris, Good so much uh, I'd like to get to on the pod today. We're really coming up on the trade deadline a little over a week away, which is crazy to think about. I want to talk a little bit about some stuff that happened over the weekend. Although some things that have happened since have maybe already changed those things. But I want to start with OG Ananobi, who Mannix and I discussed him a tiny bit on the podcast last week. I'm writing about him this week. He's kind of become every trade deadline. There's one guy. I feel like there's one guy everyone's talking about. There's, one guy everyone wants everyone every contender to have and there's obviously this unique trade market this year a lot of teams are looking to add and not a lot of teams are looking to sell we still don't even know where the raptors fall on that end of the spectrum frankly they're on this west coast road trip where they've been alternating wins and losses they lose in phoenix on monday night ananobi's actually hurt right now after an awkward fall he took a couple games ago I don't think that's going to cool his trade market at all, but he's kind of become this. Do you trade three unprotected first for someone who's not a star like Ananobi because he might yeah. be able to take your team over the top? Yeah. Have we gone too far? This is the question I have written down, but I mean, feel free to take this in any direction you want to go first. The The prompt I have is which three teams do you think would be the most fun for Ananobi to be on? Who do you want to see him on? But, what do you kind of make of the whole, you know, Ananobi era that we're living in uh, right now? <laughs> it's, a, I mean, <laughs> you want me to be completely honest? And I love him as a player. He, I've said for a while, he's one of the most enjoyable guys in the league just for like, he's very much like a hoop head sort of guy to me. Uh-huh. In the same way that for years, I would say, going back to like Philadelphia, early New Orleans Pelicans, Drew Holiday sort of player of like a, this is a guy that no questions asked. He's helping your team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does the, the little stuff that a lot of players don't want to do. 
he rarely hurts you. Uh, he makes a lot of money, but still somehow is underrated because he's not mm-hmm. a big, big, big scorer, um, but a really gritty defender sort of player. These are always my sorts, my favorite sorts of players. Gary Harris was another guy that I used to like that, you know, that is not who, who he was during those heyday and in, um, in Denver, but, you know, those sorts of players that every championship team kind of has to have you figure. Um, that said, it's weird as hell that we're leading a podcast <laughs> with him. <laughs> like that's I mean, the best way I could put it. Not not and it's not a knock on you, but we're the reason we're leading a podcast about him is because he's kind of like the talk of this trade deadline, which tells you yeah. how weird stuff is. The fact that we're talking about three unprotected firsts, it's like it feels like bizarro world I, I in the believe, same way that the five picks for Rudy Gobert or anything else did. Like we're still kind of in that world though. I believe it was Chris Vernon who said if the if all the Raptors players are worth so much in trades, how come the team is not better? Which is that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, there I mean, but there you could I mean, look, and we've said this for a while. We've said this in our meetings, our NBA uh group meetings at Sports Illustrated. Um that's kind of the larger lingering question about the Raptors though is like one them deciding to have a fire sale or even not a fire sale, but just like trading off their guys. Because if you're getting three picks, that's it's not a fire sale at that point. You're doing it because like that, that's a quick rebuild, mm-hmm. you know, which they've always been good at. Um, But they, they could propel a team to a championship with their guys, depending on who they trade with. Sure. Um, And I think the other part of it that is interesting, that is just, uh, they should be better than they are. And because they aren't, it raises the question of like, who do you point the finger at? And mm-hmm. there's a lot of speculation about Nick nurse. Um, there's been, I won't say speculation, but it's been kind of an interesting question for a while now of like, you know, they had that honeymoon period after the title. They had a weird year where they were forced to play in a state that, I mean, they're not already not a team from this country, but playing in Florida, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, hard to make a bigger leap from Toronto to Tampa, man. Oh, holy hell! I mean, so so, so <laughs> oh, there was I that. I mean, about that. A, oh man, it, it's been a strange. Like, I mean, you went. All of it has been strange. You went out and got Kawhi for a year. He won you a title or helped you win a title. Was the biggest part of you winning a title. Then he decides to leave. Uh, you know, they did the one foot in, one foot out thing with Kyle Howry in terms of. The the you know the farewell video they did for him and then they didn't trade him at all. Um, the the year in Tampa, you know they've had so many injuries. They they've basically gone all in on the idea of getting guys that are between the height of six seven and six nine and nothing mm-hmm. taller, nothing shorter. You know, and and, and um, it's been weird to watch their fan base kind of do this one eighty on Fred Van Vliet. And I understand he's having a a rough season mm-hmm. by his standards, by anyone's standards, but it's. He was he was basically an all NBA defender last year. I think he missed out yeah. on the all NBA uh, uh the all defense team by like he was the 11th guy on on a team of 10. Uh he's been an all-star. We're talking about someone that was was he undrafted or second round? I can't remember. Um undrafted, I believe. I mean, like I get it. He 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 makes about an average amount of money at this point for a starting point guard. Like he is not this year, but just generally speaking is kind of like abundantly outplayed his contract for the most part he's having a down year okay so be it the team has been up and down so be it there's a reason for it we don't know exactly what that is but the nick nurse question has been interesting 
Um, does he wear on guys? Do, do they play a style that's not sustainable because they kind of switch stuff up every night, uh, which is kind of their MO? Is, is it not sustainable to play without really traditional point guards a lot of the time? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is it sustainable to expect that all your young guys are going to kind of make leaps at the same time? Scotty Barnes has not had a great sophomore season. So there's a lot of questions to be asked, but I think Verno's question to your point is interesting of trade value for these guys. If they're not playing well, I think you would be stupid to write off the idea that some of these guys are worth a lot, you know, especially if they could do better in a different situation. I think OG is the sort of player that you could plug into a lot of teams when he's healthy and those teams just become a wrecking ball to be honest Mm -hmm. with you. So let's get to it then. This isn't, I'm not asking you to come up with fake trades even. And I'm not saying, yeah, (laughs) I know. And I'm not saying like, you know, give me the three most realistic, but what are the teams? If you could pick out Ananobi and pluck him onto any three teams, at least keeping in mind that you are going to have to send someone back. What are the, what are the teams you'd like to see him on? Okay. So the first one is a team that any any time they decide that they want to play ball and do something along these lines, they could do it. They could do it right now, and no team would be able to touch them if they decided to. Oklahoma City mm. has 9 million draft picks, and I've been saying since the summertime that I would love for them to, if they're better than people are expecting, and I thought that they would be, Decent. I thought that they could find themselves on the fringes of this play-in conversation, and that's exactly where they're at. And I I remember saying on this pod at least once uh, with Michael, if you did that, you you were giving a team that already has a a group of guys that have kind of overperformed as three-point shooters, but might regress as we hit the second half of the season. Um, But you're giving them a bona fide – I mean, at this point, OG is a vet. You know, he's not he's yeah. not I think we still think of him as being a young guy and he is. But I mean, he he has a little he's been around the block a little bit more than guys, certainly on that roster. Um, You could trade. I mean, if you if it's picks that they want, then, you know, no team really has more of that in abundance than than Oklahoma City. So I'd love to just see I, not even because it's like they have a, a, a really, really big need in a position. They just could use guys that are vets. That are, you know, and, and he fits the age range of what they have. He'd be one of the older guys they have on that team. I think the oldest player they have is 31. I think it's Mescala, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, really young team, but I, I think because of that, like, okay, at, at what point do you start to accelerate this just a little bit? And if you're basically a, a fringe playing team now without having really put any real vets on this team uh, or acquired any vets for this team and you can't make use of all these picks, what are you saving them for? It doesn't mean you have to use them here, but like genuinely, what are you saving them for? What sort of big fish are you trying to pry with all those picks? Um, so I, I'd love to see them do something like that. That's very interesting. I was not expecting you to come out of left field with that one. I mean, I wasn't expecting uh, me to come out of left field with that one. Um, let's say, I think it's interesting though. Let's say they keep Shay, Giddy, Santa Clara, Jalen Williams. You come back with Shay, Giddy, Ananobi, Jalen Williams, and Chet next year. That's a fun team. And whatever draft pick that they would get, you know, yeah. um, I don't even know what picks they're in line to get from other teams off the top of my head. But uh, man, like sign me up. Like it, it's just a fun team. You're not. And again, because of OG's versatility, he could play with any group 
you know, that team is going to have the ability to play really big. Um, they're going to have the ability to, to go smaller. And I think OG fits with either, either grouping, you know, at that point. That's a really good one. I'm going to throw one out. Okay. And uh, the former podcast co-host who shall not be named, actually him and I were texting about this and then he wrote about it. Um, for the you gotta you gotta put a copyright on your stuff, man. You can't he let wrote, him do he, that he, he wrote about <laughs> it. We were just we were just texting. I think it was about Adenobi, and I was like, I'd like to see him on this team. And he told me one of the fake trades he was cooking up, and then he wrote about it for his. Uh, did, we, did we see how Daryl Morey confirmed the existence of the Democratic People's Republic of Boston's propaganda arm when he was complaining about? We did. <laughs> we did. Because then I wrote a column about him. It wasn't even complaining. It was just it, it was more than anything. It's like it's just an interesting coincidence, really, of how often he has yeah, finished he- second in MVP voting or in this case, right outside of the top three for starter voting. And I, I just, you know, I wrote a column about the fact that it's really rare for someone to finish second that many times. And someone tweeted at me instantly. Yo, there's already enough people complaining and, and uh, you know, in Philly about this, they don't need your help with it. And it's like, I'm not, com- <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that literally Jerry West is kind of the only guy that's yeah. had this happened as many times as, as Embiid has. It's rare, but uh, yeah, I did see that, uh, that, that uh, Daryl Morey wasted no time yeah, in yeah. terms of uh, calling it blasphemous, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, and so, yeah, Pina can continue to push that agenda <laughs> i mean well, can we be real though for just a minute and it's not a knock on it because i understand that it was flawed that there's three spots for four mvp yeah. candidates Embiid is i don't know luca might have t- retaken the lead with his 53 points last night Embiid's leading the league in scoring like i understand he has not yeah. been a beast defensively this year the way he normally is it's like we could also start to talk about maybe if you're going to let players pick their teams anyway maybe we should just do away with the idea of conferences yeah yeah as it relates to picks or in like who makes the game um that we certainly should get rid of the positionality of it that, that that's old news but uh i I'd, I'd, I'd like Embiid is fine he, he makes a lot of money he will be able to sleep just fine i would hope but i like he absolutely deserves to be you you should not I, be able to lead the league in scoring and not start the game i think if the voting had happened a week later i think he makes it in over tatum because you they put him and tatum's numbers side by side and you're like well one guy's leading the league in scoring and then and now you look at team success philly's right there so they're right there and he yeah. lost harden for a month and maxi for a month and a half yeah. well like, we're so going to talk me, yeah, yeah we're going to talk about a beat we're, we'll get there absolutely go ahead yeah let's but the Phoenix Suns. I really want to see Ananobi on the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Pina outlined this fake trade. It was Crowder, Sarich, and I think he said three first for Ananobi. The money works. I think those players would actually be useful in Toronto as well. But you give the Suns an opportunity. You know, Cam Johnson would have to come back off the bench. Cam Johnson's been really good. He came back from his meniscus injury, and he's been lighting it up. I really like what I've seen from him. Um, but you could play Paul Booker Bridges and Anobi Aiton together. That gives you a really, really good defensive lineup. You can put Ananobi in some small ball center looks. 
if you're playing certain lineups, certainly Golden State, I think that becomes an option. You can play Booker. You could try to play Booker, uh, Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Adobe, and Aiton all together if you need to give Paul a rest. I just think as crazy as their season has been, they're in the mix. Devin Booker should be back soon. I, that could make a big difference for them. Net rating wise, they've been pretty solid lately. Um, you know, th- right. to where it's like, okay, clearly they need more offense, which mm-hmm. is exactly what Devin Booker will bring if he's healthy and and good to go when he comes back. Uh, defensively, they've looked a lot better lately. Um, obviously, you know, when you get Cam Johnson back and, and shout out to him, like, I, I understand that medicine, modern medicine is crazy. And, and, you know, guys can come back from, as we were just talking about Danny green, you know, six, seven months removed from a really terrible, uh, knee tear that guys can just come back from things with the meniscus in particular, you know, you can do different procedures, to kind of get back quicker depending on how they they do the surgery still there's something about that that's kind of mind-blowing to me um yeah because i remember when he got hurt just thinking oh damn this is a contract year for him yeah thinking that he was going to be out the rest of the year and and so thank goodness it wasn't that um phoenix by the way real quick to your point ninth best net rating in the nba yeah i mean it's you know i will say this though and it's something that i'm going to write about relatively soon like i don't know what to make of certainly we've always talked about net ratings and the idea of, you know, being top 10 on either side of the ball, top 10 generally, you know, those are normally the teams you focus mm-hmm. on. I don't know what to make of that in a year where everybody is kind of in the same neck of the woods net rating wise. Um, I think I saw a stat the other day that said that the Celtics have the highest net rating in the league, but that they've got the lowest net rating of like a top n- net rated team mm. in the NBA over the last 20 years. That That's this is the lowest net rating the best team has had yeah. um, in like 20 years. So it's, you know, it, it's not to say it doesn't mean anything. Uh, I'm certainly not saying that, but I don't know. And it, there is a part of me that just like, obviously, I think we all are very much in prove it mode for Phoenix right now, given yes. last year, given how rocky this year has been. Uh, but, you know, they, they are intriguing enough to where like, I think you'd be foolish to just totally discount them you know all it takes is really chris paul finding a little bit more magic in the bottle them getting healthy and you know they make a trade all bets are off at that point certainly if they go get someone of og's caliber i think too one of the best shows of the year according to apple amazon and time is back for another round we have more insightful conversations between myself paul muldoon and paul mccartney about his life and career Big bear of a man, it's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, Will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, What? Sergeant Pepper? This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favorite song in his entire catalogue Here, There, and Everywhere. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What does optimism look like? 
I'm on a quest to find the people who inspire us to dream more and do more. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. I talk to all sorts of people, from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to a hairdresser on Instagram who gives out free haircuts to the homeless, from the CEOs of the world's largest companies to the comedy writer who visited the wreckage of the Titanic. I love talking to leaders, artists, authors, and eccentrics about life, leadership, purpose, mental fitness, human skills, high performance, and other curious things. It leaves me feeling wiser, more inspired, and, well, more optimistic. Because after all, this is a bit of optimism. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look for it. Listen to a bit of optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top the Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0. We never win a chicken dinner, homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are there any other teams that came to mind for you? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. These teams, like I, the other teams I wrote down were Denver and Cleveland. Uh, I don't. Can we talk about Denver? Because that's another sure. one that I have. Okay. But I think we're on the same page. We don't know how they could get him. It, exactly. Like you, they need him, but I don't see what they give to get him. Uh, defensively, you plug him in. It's a game changer for them, you would think. I just don't know how they obtain them compared to these other teams that have more to offer. So I think I think the way they'd have to do it is they'd have to get a third team involved. And that third team would, for some reason, really want to want to have Michael Porter Jr. Because mm-hmm. he's the guy I think they got to move. And he's having a good season and he's bought into his role. And I think he's made yeah. improvements defensively, but I don't see him playing big minutes in the playoffs. I think a lot of those minutes are going to go to Bruce Brown. And it'd be great if a lot of those minutes could go to OG and Anobi. You put KCP, Aaron Gordon, and Anobi on the wing, you're kind of cooking with gas there. I just, yeah. What do you make of the idea that Bones Highland is on the trading block? Mike Singer reported it. I think some of the, some of the national guys have reported it. Yeah. What did you make of that? I mean, let's, let's be honest here. It, it, it's a little bit it's a younger it's it's a younger version of the michael porter jr question i don't think necessarily Mm. from an injury standpoint but the idea that okay this is someone who is way more talented on the offensive side of the ball than the defensive side of the ball that we worry might be something of a liability come playoff time and if that's going to be the case and because you view them as potentially being a liability if you can't play them in the playoffs as much as you'd like to Mm -hmm. go trade them for someone that's not a liability um that you know pretty soon you're going to have to pay 
Um, and if you see them as a playoff liability, you're not going to want to pay. That's frankly what was so fascinating about Michael Porter in the first place is like, we all knew he had shortcomings. I mean, we all knew he had major back issues. And so the question was, okay, there's real talent there. We see that there's a very palpable skill. This guy has, what is it worth to them in a market where traditionally speaking, it hasn't been easy to convince people to just come play there. Um, right. And to that question, they paid Michael Porter Jr. a max, which was like, wow. I think a lot of people sat back and said, like, we understood it, but it was still like, wow, that okay, maybe not everyone would have done that. And to your point now of the fact that you feel like he's the guy they need to trade, you're normally not saying that about a max guy at his age who shoots as well as he does. So I think I think Bones is just a three. Yeah. But that's Michael Porter. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But Bones is also yes. that tells you about how much of a liability you have to be for someone on right. one end of the floor for someone to ask that question, uh, particularly on a team that has <laughs> Jokic, where you need guys that you don't need them, but you really want guys that could shoot like that around him because you know that he's gonna he's gonna eat. So I, I think Bones is like a, a a a poor man's guards version of the same thing. Uh-huh. Uh, with with without again without the injury question attached. Uh, and it's them just trying to get ahead of it, which I think is smart from the standpoint of, um, again, this might be your only real way to bring in high level talent because free agency, it's going to be tougher to convince guys to come play there. Maybe it won't be long term because people want to play with Jokic, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's one of those markets that people just are on their head to play for. And so if you can get value out of a guy that you're not going to be using a whole lot in, in high leverage situations. I think that's what it is. I was surprised to hear his name come up, but I also understand why. Oh man, I'm very interested what they do. That last year for MPJ is only 12 million guaranteed according to SpoTrack. Um, I did not know that. Yeah. 17 million guaranteed if he makes an all-star, which I don't see happening in the West. He, so, he doesn't have enough of a self-created offense. Right. He's so a high-level version of Otto Porter without the defense, which is not a high-level version of Otto Porter from the Wizards. He's got three years after this one. The thing is, he's like the fourth option in Denver. He can score, man. And he's shooting 41% on over six threes a game. Shooting over four, 41% on over six threes a game. I the To your same point, like I'm trying to think, in the framework of a deal that gets Ananobi, again, this is pie in the sky, me pushing my Denver agenda because I always <laughs> pick them to win the finals. I saw Michael Malone the other night, and uh, when I was in Denver last March, so in 2022, to work on my Jokic story, I talked to Michael Malone for a long time. It was great, and just talking to him about the Jokic pick and roll and stuff like that. It was awesome. And I told him, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm writing the story because I just, I think Jokic should win MVP. I think it's obvious. And he's like, I like you, man. And I was like, okay. And he saw me. (laughs) He saw me in the tunnel at Staples Center and he walked by once. And the first time he walked by, I could tell he was like, where have I seen this guy before? And then on the walk back, he came over and shook my hand. He's like, hey, how's it going, man? I think he remembered. And I was like, Michael, picked you guys to win the finals again this year. Like, don't let me down. Oh, boy. Um, oh, boy. Not you getting in with a coach because you just keep predicting keep players that is team to win. I was like, don't <laughs> let me down, Michael. Oh, man. Um, he deserves credit, though, man. That dude, he 
he is one of the most I, I think he's very uh what's the phrase I would use? He's very calculated sometimes in what he says, but he's also yeah. very precise in what he says a lot of times. Like yes, he was talking about the basically complaining about the fact that Giannis and uh and M- Embiid I'm sorry, that Giannis and Jokic were playing on the second night of a back to back. Yes. And he was talking about how big a shame that was because the networks were gearing up for the Embiid Jokic showdown, which rightfully so, but like why do that when you're talking about two of actually the last two men to win the MVP? Yeah. The last two men to win back to back MVPs. Uh, the the last four MVPs are accounted for by those two guys. Yeah. And you don't have it on national television and you actually have it on the second end of a back to back, meaning that, you know, fans that want to go out and watch that game specifically don't get to watch those guys match up. It is foolish. And then I, I think it's interesting. He he articulated that, but also said, but also the NBA has an impossible task. Like you're not ever going to make everybody happy schedule wise. Yeah. I get it. So I, I like him. I just think he's thoughtful from the standpoint of the way he talks sure. to the media. Um, so so listen, we love about- we love Michael Malone. He's thoughtful. Let's figure out how to get him OG and an OB. To your <laughs> point, if they're gonna do it trading MPJ, they have to find another team who's not necessarily a big free agent destination and somehow convince them that this is a guy who can improve them. The problem is you look around the league, it's like everyone's either in the mix or you have the tank squads like San Antonio, Houston. Charlotte, Detroit, who I don't think are going to take on salary. Maybe Charlotte would. I, I, I don't know. It's um, man. But you're talking when you say that. Like I, I, I wish I could take him and put him on a team, but reduce his salary, just because he's such a good fit if he's not at that salary, and you you you're more forgiving of it if he's not at that salary. Like Detroit with all the ball handling that they have, um. And potentially what they could get this summer with this badass record they're going to have. Yeah. Like Michael Porter's shooting with that Detroit group if they're healthy. And, you know, I think most people are thinking now that they're a year or two away from really making noise. Uh I just wish it wasn't the max salary because no small no new team, young team is uh is is gonna want to take on that that number, that salary number. But then again, the the like you said, I was not aware of the fact that he only has a portion of that guaranteed. Ah, man. So I think we agree that it's not really going to happen for Denver, even though it'd be fun. I have one more team, but I think I heard you mention Cleveland, and I think you're kind of in the same boat there. It feels maybe it would be difficult to get them. Yeah, I I just don't. They obviously are a team that gave up most assets that they had. Right. (laughs) Picks, but also a guy that's going to be an all-star in the West in Larry Markinen. Uh, you know, they, they don't have that many assets left to trade. I mean, if they wanted to Levert, I guess. Uh, but I, I mean, he's not fetching you that much. I don't think. It, I mean, anybody that is trying to trade for OG is going to be involving picks, and I just don't think Cleveland's got many left at this stage. Uh, yeah. so I I would love to see them do it just because it it feels like they're a team that if they could upgrade at that position, particularly with someone that is defense minded, they would do it in a heartbeat. I just don't think they've got the assets to do it at this point. So the last one is the one everyone talks about. Ananobi to the Grizzlies. Do you like that dramatic pause I did there? I I, I was trying to figure (laughs) out where you're going with it. Uh, Uh, (laughs) I think a lot of people have talked about how effective that could be. I do think even though he's such 
I think a necessary part of the heartbeat of that team. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. He is the heartbeat of that team. I think I would move Dylan Brooks in an Ananobi trade. Um, I I just think the Ananobi's Grizzlies are more consistent than Brooks too. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. Do you worry? Do you, uh, let me ask this? Do you worry a little bit? Um, you know the way people talk about Draymond and and like how he's over the edge. And I, but- yes, and I do worry about that. I think there's something to that. He brings an attitude to that team, and I think he's a significant right. part of it. And I don't think you can you can't quantify it, so you can't say how much it means. But I think it means something. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd have to move Brooks, maybe Brandon Clark. I don't know someone else, but. I mean, it would hard. It would be hard not to consider them. What do they need? They need shooting. He would provide. He'd be an important shooter for them to have in their starting lineup. He'd fit right in defensively. I think you could argue would make them the favorites in the West. Man, but I've been arguing for a little bit, not too long. I think they're the favorites out West anyway. I really do. I just uh, Denver. Denver gives me pause just because they. Just every time I'm ready to say they don't play defense, then they they go on a run and they play defense <laughs> for six, seven, eight games in a row, and they're you know the the third, fourth, sixth best defense in the league over that span. Uh, I just think Denver's more equipped to play good defense against different sorts of teams. Like there are certain teams that terrify me if I'm if I'm Denver with Golden State, and obviously Golden State is a team that terrifies anybody with what they can throw at you offensively, but. I don't have those level that that level of concern with like a Memphis defending them the way I do with a with a Denver. Um so I I think they're my favorite anyway but if you're just talking about a clear-cut favorite where everybody's like oh that's the team right now. Yeah, probably if they if they swing a trade. Um I wrote that book about the 90s Knicks man and I say a lot. In 94 the Knicks had John Starks who was 3 for 18 in game 1 of that final series against the Rockets. Uh, and then shot 50% from the field and 45% from three from games two to six in that series, and then shot two for 18 in game seven. And that, like, then the Knicks uh, uh, two years later brought in Allen Houston. And I feel like Allen Houston, OG Ananobi is the Allen Houston to Memphis compared to Dylan Brooks, hmm. if that makes sense. Maybe a long roundabout way of saying it, but there's like a more level headed, like, kind of just even keel version of what Dylan Brooks is. And I think it's OG, quite frankly. I just, I think if you're saying they're the favorite, to me, that's all the more reason to go out and get an Ananobi. Because if you might already be above everyone else in the conference, and now you have a chance to go kind of solidify yourself, we talked about there's no runaway favorite. There's no team that's really separated itself. That's your chance to put true separation between you and everyone else. I mean, if you could play Bane, Ja, Ananobi, Triple J, and Steven Adams together, I mean, that's that's formidable. Um, I still, you know, if you could get Danny Green back in the mix somehow, and now you're looking at, Danny Green playing in some small ball looks with Triple J at the center. I mean, maybe you even trade Danny Green, who's part of this, and you keep Dylan Brooks somehow. Like, yeah. you know, uh, I just think I'm, they could they could really separate themselves in a way that 
it's worth it in this particular season to make a move like that. Yeah. And the Danny Green thing, I remember even when they got him, it was widely just kind of thought of, expected that. So I think his money, like he he could have been waived and it just would have come off the books completely for them, if I remember correctly, Mm -hmm. for like 10 million. And I think, and I think that that was unguaranteed money for him. Uh, So just a lot of smart, like around the edges, like kind of on the margin sorts of deals for them that could pay off that like in the, in the short term, don't look like much or just look like a throwaway. Um, I'm very, very interested to see what happens with them. I I feel like, (laughs) I feel like uh, the scorekeeper in Memphis is owed an apology. Um, over the uh, over the yes. weekend for people that listen to this the podcast, people Dude, on he... this podcast like probably saw that I, I imagine that the venn diagram of people that listen to this podcast and follow reddit threads closely probably saw a reddit thread that was essentially accusing the scorekeeper in memphis of inflating to a crazy degree the number of blocks and steals that jaron jackson jr got because he gets twice as many of them at home as he does on the road, which obviously just hearing that sounds a certain way. Right. But there was not much, uh, there was not much evidence in the way of video to suggest that it's like a, an intentional kind of blasphemous thing to do. Um, looks like it was pretty valid from the different stuff. I've um, people I kind of trust heat, heat fans are like really upset this year. They think that Bam's not going to win defensive player of the year. And, they think it's insane that Jaron Jackson, they think people are reading too much into the blocks. They don't like that Brooke Lopez is a candidate. I think I'm the biggest BAM supporter. I think, you know, maybe in the quote unquote national media, I think it's fair to say BAM has been great defensively last season or this season, but maybe a step below where he was last year. Jaron Jackson Jr. does more than just blocks. And as we've seen, they are all legit. So I saw I saw a bunch of like heat fans be like, this is it. Like we told you this was all rigged or whatever. And it's like everyone relax. Um <laughs> that was uh the swiftness which with that scandal was kind of put to bed was really funny. Took like two um, hours, man. It's maybe three. Yeah. It was a little sad, but it's like there's normally a... There's no, I don't know. I, 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 I think people on the internet and pe- bloggers and stuff, it's someone asked me a question once, can people that like aren't journalists write a book and they can, I'm like, I, there was someone yeah. that was more of like, you know, like as far as his journalistic stuff was concerned, he was essentially, he had blogged for a couple of years about the uh-huh. NBA. He wrote a nineties Knicks book that came out several months before mine did. And I was kind of stunned at how, well he kind of journalistically went through this i interviewed more people and you know i think i took a different tack with my book but i was impressed and like he uncovered a lot of stuff that no one knew um so people can do that sort of rigorous journalistic work reporting work investigative work but it's more than just kind of like calling out that the numbers look strange or fuzzy you have to actually go through and look at the video you know you have to be an honest broker about it and show what you don't exactly know to be true like if there's something open to interpretation you have to acknowledge that instead of just making it sound really um ill-spirited you know and uh it, it there was some of that that didn't read right to begin with but shout out I, I still think it's cool that fans even take notice of it enough 
that they're doing our job on some level, but sometimes you have to finish it too. Otherwise it's just kind of, yeah, there's a fine line between Reddit sleuthing and Reddit conspiracy, I guess. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. We have more insightful conversations between myself, Paul Muldoon, and Paul McCartney about his life and career. It was 20 years ago today. We had a big bear of a man, it's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Sergeant Pepper? This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, here, there, and everywhere. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What does optimism look like? I'm on a quest to find the people who inspire us to dream more and do more. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. I talk to all sorts of people from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to a hairdresser on Instagram who gives out free haircuts to the homeless, from the CEOs of the world's largest companies to the comedy writer who visited the wreckage of the Titanic. I love talking to leaders, artists, authors, and eccentrics about life, leadership, purpose, mental fitness, human skills, high performance, and other curious things. It leaves me feeling wiser, more inspired, and, well, more optimistic. Because after all, this is a bit of optimism. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look for it. Listen to a bit of optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the the play gate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. (laughs) Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're saying right now? He's he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big pop the Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Chris, let's move on to one more thing I wanted to talk about briefly on today's show. I love Rivalry Week. I told Mannix I thought it was awesome. As you can imagine, uh, Mannix poo-pooed it, uh, which is kind of just his general. <laughs> Je Yeah. <laughs> ah, whatever. Uh, humbug. Just sipping on his Dunkin' Donuts. Ah, whatever. Wow, wow, wow. Um, I loved Rivalry Week. I thought it was a lot of fun. I yeah. thought it was funny how Warriors fans were like, this isn't a rivalry with the Grizzlies, even though everyone is getting up for those games. The games have been fantastic. <laughs> um, Heat Celtics was a good game. 
Uh, Lakers Celtics was a lot of fun. Wow. I don't think we're going to dig. We're not going to dive into the foul. I wrote about it. Like <laughs> the Lakers are acting like they're the first team in history to lose on a bad call. Did you see that stat that is we're talking about stats and, and journalistic stats versus like Reddit stats. Did you see the stat about the fact that they've had um, what is it like 34 calls that were wrong oh, someone, someone in the last two through, minutes and 21 of them went, went a- 21 of them, 21 of the 34 calls that were wrong benefited the Lakers this year. So it's not to say they haven't been shafted in spots because yeah. they have, but generally speaking, in those sorts of moments, they've won it's, out more than they've lost. In my column about it, I literally wrote, Are we going to go through every one of their last two minute reports and Somebody start did. and start assigning wins? And someone did. And thanks to that person yeah. to point out how ridiculous this whole thing is. Yeah, we got receipts, man. We got receipts for that ass. <laughs> <laughs> so but that's good like, journalism yeah. by the way yeah, i mean I, is, I, when i was at 538 we did something where we went yeah. through every every last every last two minute report that season yeah. up to that point and we're able to kind of look at the teams that were getting hosed most yeah. and uh you know i don't know it's hard to do that it takes a lot of time to do it but it's yeah. worth doing we should do it here honestly maybe i'll try yeah. to see if i can combine with someone that's kind of a number specialist yeah. so but the game I want to talk about was Sixers Nuggets. A lot of fun. A great game. Massive win by Philly with a huge comeback. I know a lot of people obviously focusing on Embiid and Jokic, and we'll get to that in a second. A couple of things I want to point out. End of the third quarter, the Nuggets have like a 15-point lead, and the Sixers go on a 12-0 run in like two minutes. That really thoroughly changes the game. Also, P.J. Tucker's defense on Jokic in the fourth quarter I think Sixers fans have been really frustrated with Tucker this season. He doesn't yeah. score a lot. He doesn't shoot I also a lot. Think, I also think that it's not like Miami was saying, hey, PJ, go get us buckets. But I, the Heat involved him more in their offense than the Sixers do, and that made a difference. And he's alluded to this before. Like It's very hard to stand in a corner the entire game and then be expected to do you know different things offensively. He probably could shoot more even when he does catch in the corner, but He's still doing all the P.J. Tucker things. His defense on Jokic was the reason they won that game, as great as Embiid was. That completely took Denver out of their offense. Denver, I think, was being too stubborn and didn't want to adjust. I think Jokic came out with a little bit of an edge, but then I think he did this thing when Embiid got going. It just kind of felt like Jokic was like, I'm going to play my game. I'm not going to show this any extra importance. And to me, that's a knock. I, I, I think he should have. Tried to match Embiid there. Um, he does have the scoring prowess to, to think shoot a little bit more, but it was a fantastic game for Embiid. I think 47 points. They lost to the Magic on the next Monday game. Night. Yeah. So yeah. We, we'll just ignore that for the basis of the conversation. <laughs> but, I noticed that. <laughs> but uh, did, did you think that was uh, the MVP is mine now moment from Embiid? Uh, I mean, yeah, if you're if you're looking to compile those moments for someone, yeah, like I, I would feel that if I was him, as I wrote in my column, one of the last stories I did uh, last week, I, I was saying that like he you don't just lead the league in scoring the way he has uh, and, and, and not just this year, but like over the last two and a half years, he's averaged the most points in the league over that whole span, uh, basically since the bubble. Uh, so between that, between the fact that he, I think the other thing I think for him, and you, you get back to the whole, 
oh, well, I'm going to feel like they hate me if I don't win this time. Like, it gets a little bit annoying. He and his people talk a little bit too much, in my opinion. <laughs> but what I'll say is that I'm sure people have gotten in his ear before. Remember remember how Kobe used to tell people, it was almost like he was a coach, like, yeah, what I need from you is to, like, do this, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. this, and this, and then you're yeah, going to yeah. be MVP. He did it for Giannis. I can't remember if he did it for Tatum. Wasn't it somebody like... Eric Gordon was like, Kobe, what's my challenge? Or somebody, somebody yeah. like that did it. I can't it remember was like Giannis did it and Kobe was like MVP. I just, the thing about the Embiid disrespect, listen, I'm not saying he shouldn't be frustrated. The all-star thing, especially. Yeah. But to like be voted second in MVP t- two years in a row, it's not disrespectful. No, no, we're no, 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 it's you not. The second, we're calling you the second best. And I'm not saying you're saying that. That's yeah. the way they act about it. And it's no, like, I think you're right. That's an honor. That's an honor. I, I think you're right. What I what I do think, though, is that I, I'm sure somewhere along the line, if not his people, if not just kind of the media cohort in general, has said if Embiid could ever stay healthy and put together a season mm. like the ones he's had before while he's healthy and while his team is in contention, he's a shoe in to win it. Hell, I thought that this year. That like because he hasn't won it the same way that we watched Harden kind of keep finishing close to it but not winning, I kind of right. figured Embiid at some point has to win if he stays healthy. He's been re- relatively healthy. He's right. got his team in striking distance of the one seed. He's had his two best players miss time, considerable time, and they've survived it and are still within striking distance of the best team in the East. So I like I do kind of feel like. I would understand why he's frustrated if he doesn't get it this time. That said, it's more than a one game thing. That was a really dominant showing. And I do think you're right. And I remember um, I would, I would call it a text thread, but I think it was just mostly you commenting on the, on the matchup that day. (laughs) Um, But it was, but it was interesting because you're, you kind of made a point like, yo, it looks like Embiid really wants this. And Jokic is kind of more laid back about it. I think that's how he is, and I don't think Embiid is really shy about it, that he wants it, and I don't blame him for wanting it. It also adds up, given that his he and his people kind of make public comments about it each year that he doesn't win. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with him wanting it, and particularly if if his team squeaks out a win when he does it, when he hits like a, a, a game-sealing basket over Jokic's eye. Like, I... I'm good with it. I, I do feel like it is the sort of MVP moment you want from him. If you if you're thinking he's deserving of the award, he probably does need those things. Just because I think Jokic has a first place team. Jokic uh, has already won the award, and his efficiency numbers have been better than they were in the two years he's won it. So it's going to be an uphill battle for Embiid. But I do think that it's for people that wanted to say that he has no chance or that Embiid is, is kind of falling behind again because Jokic is just so out in front of everybody. I don't think it's over. I think it's, you know, it's the sort of thing that can help him overtake him, but I still think there's more work to do. And I think that he's going to need a really strong second half, but that, that, that said, he's got another matchup against Jokic. I think he's got two or three matchups left with Boston. He's got mm-hmm. two matchups left with Milwaukee. He's got two matchups left with Brooklyn and, and Durant. So it, it's possible for him. He's going to have the opportunities. Uh, he's got the hardest schedule left in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it, it's right there for him. And I think that that was a really, really good kind of platform to play as well as he did against kind of the guy, um, you know, with the way the game went and the, the way he put a punctuation mark on it. That I think that Jokic has a very strong case. I think Embiid doing that 
on national TV in such a highly anticipated matchup and the degree to which Jokic just was so laid back. You know, it'd be one thing if Jokic had 35 and they lost. Exactly. These two guys went at it. They both were spectacular. And Jokic did a lot of his Jokic things that were really good throughout the game. What did he finish with like 24 and like his normal numbers, right? Yeah. But I think if the season ended today, I think Embiid would win. And that doesn't necessarily, that's not the same thing as does he deserve to win? And I think he has a great argument. I think him and Jokic both have great arguments. I think that's the kind of performance that sways voters, though. Interesting. Okay. I, I, I always wonder how much does it, like, the crazy thing is if he'd scored three more points, for people that didn't see the game, if you hear about the fact that he went off for 50 on Jokic, I feel like it hits right. different. Uh, I mean, he he again, he essentially did have 50, like, right, right on the cusp of that, and hit a, a, a shot that sealed the game over Jokic, outplayed Jokic, came back from behind to win the game against Jokic. Right. Like all those things were there. The recipe right. was there. If you didn't see it, if you, if but, you watch that game, obviously is, outplayed him. My you know, thing but. is it's like, that's, and we're not going to get too deep into this, but you know, people wonder how someone like Jokic wins MVP back to back. Like if you compare where the NBA is now to even 20 years ago, 30 years ago, think about how many more people have league pass. Think about how many more people watch more games than ever before. But the thing is, there's still a lot of people that don't. There's probably some people who still watch the Nuggets 10 to 15 times a year and they're voting on MVP. Right. I'm not gonna we're not gonna list those people, etc. But I think there's a lot of voters that might be one of the few times they watch the Nuggets play all season. And the, and they'll use that as a reference. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I just think it's sad. I mean, I yeah, I will I will say. Is someone who I, I I used to never vote when I was at the Wall Street Journal. We weren't we essentially weren't allowed to vote, um, you know, for different reasons. Um, I just think it, at this point, not that we asked for this responsibility, but the fact that this stuff has the ability to impact guys' contracts. I don't. I, I am one of those people that I tend to get angry with people of that I'm affiliated with friends with that don't vote in elections. And I tend to get really angry at people that do vote for awards, but don't really dig into the numbers. Don't dig into the film. Don't watch the games when they have an opportunity um, because it, you know, it, it, it actually has an impact on things Yeah, and you know, it shouldn't be based on it. So that's why I'm saying, do I think that that allows him to overtake him? Should it allow him to overtake him? If you thought Jokic was the guy and it was like a hands down sort of thing, that should not change your opinion. In my in my estimation, does it show that the race isn't over and should not be viewed as over? Absolutely. Like the the race already wasn't over from where I sit. Who knows where Dallas will finish? Who knows what Luca could go for 50 every game the rest of the year? Uh, Embiid could do that with Philly. Um, One of those guys could get hurt. And and miss a chunk of the season, and then it changes the dynamic. So it's not, you know, we're we're two thirds, we're almost two thirds of the way through the season. It's not, it's not over by any means. It's it's gonna, I, it should be viewed as very competitive. Even if Jokic were winning the award a third straight time, it was still in a competitive fashion, in my opinion. Um, and then lastly, before we go, I just want to ask: they did end up losing to the Magic, although the Magic <laughs> have been frisky. They the have Magic have been very frisky. They have. They've beaten a lot of good teams. Yeah. Do you think Philly? I, I think I asked Mannix this question as well, and I'll, I'll pose it to you. 
Do you think Philly is the biggest threat to Boston, or do you still like Milwaukee there? Uh, I, I'll I'll take Milwaukee still. Um, mm. I don't. And now I know they've got some stuff with with Portis and and his health, and uh, Middleton is just getting back. Uh, I, I I would sooner bet on Milwaukee's guys who've struggled and been really cold this season off the bench to step it up for Middleton to kind of seal the cracks that they've got in that foundation for just how long he's been out of the lineup. Uh, Drew Holiday has been fantastic this year. I, I put out my all-stars this uh, this afternoon and kind of killed me to not have Drew on my all-star team. Uh, but I, you know, I think that he has been fantastic. I think Brooke has been really, really good. Giannis, the guy just is incredible still for all the stuff. He still doesn't do well. 50 points in 30 minutes the other night. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 you know, screw off to the people that are complaining that he's stat padding, that he's taking a three (laughs) to get to 50. Like, okay, if that, but again, some of those same people that will complain about that will be the ones that said that Embiid's 47 points was great, but if he'd had 50, that he would have been, you know, that right. you automatically yes. make him your MVP. So Giannis, it's like, the, the first person to ever go for, try to attempt right. to get 50 Tatum points. did yeah. the same thing yeah, several weeks on. back. So, uh, look, I, I I don't know. I, it, maybe it's just easier for me because Milwaukee has won a championship, so the idea that they are maybe a greater threat to Man, living in New York with these sirens again. I'm going to get used to it, I guess. Um, <laughs> the idea that Milwaukee could be more of a threat than Philly, there is a part of me that like, I just kind of feel like I'm never going to be the team that correctly predicts that Philly is the team to come out of the East. Mm, that wow. I just kind of have to see it to believe it. Like Harden is a big part of that. I feel like he is literally the see it to believe it poster child. Um, you know, but they but they do have glimpses. They do have moments where you're like, why wouldn't it be them? Uh, so they're a team too that you know if they make us they swing a deal if they're able to I don't know what assets they have left to really do that but if they were to swing a deal uh, they could become really really interesting too they certainly have the talent to do it so I, I wouldn't count them out I would love for Embiid to win a championship he's one of my favorite players I love big men I think he's hilarious I love the the DX celebration I love it all <laughs> but Every time they don't make it to the conference finals, it's hilarious. And I those those two competing thoughts are in my mind at all times. Can we have this conversation though? Because I when I wrote my column about Embiid last week, I got that comment from a lot of people too of like, look, everybody is saying he belongs in sentences with all time greats. Uh-huh. Uh you know, and my, my column was basically saying that like there've only been a couple of guys to finish second in MVP voting back-to-back years. If he were to do it again this year, the only guy that's had that happen three times in a row was Jerry West. And Jerry uh-huh. West never won an MVP. Uh, so, you know, I'm making the comparisons there. And meanwhile, I'm getting tweets and texts from people, or not texts, but emails from people saying, like, if he's that great, how come he doesn't get out of the conference, you know, get to the conference <laughs> finals? <laughs> and it's like, are we really not? Like, first of all, Embiid is 28. <laughs> He's 28 years okay, old, okay, which is like not young. It's not young, but it's not ancient either. Yeah, sure. And also, sure. let's be mindful of the fact that Embiid didn't play the first few years of his career. Right. So right. he's this is essentially this is his seventh full season. And let's keep in mind, they had a, a, a year where they absolutely blew it. And I think most people looked indirectly like they looked at Ben Simmons as if he farted. When when they didn't <laughs> beat the Hawks, 
<laughs> so, I mean, like, I'm not going to put that on Embiid solely in that situation. Uh, they had another situation where they would have made it to the conference finals, but Kawhi hit a shot that, like, 99 times out of 100 would not have gone in. And and not to take anything from Kawhi, it's, it's more like it was incredible that it did go yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was just a once-in-a-lifetime shot, shot yeah. Right. And, I mean, like, an Embiid, and for the people who made fun of him for crying, like, he, the guy cares. Like he's I love that. No, I love that. I genuinely loved it, yes. Yeah, I, I don't I, – it's not me – it's not me, like, going at you for, for saying, like, he – let's see – but it's the same conversation we essentially had about Chris Paul, you know. And Chris Paul, at least b- before he got to a conference finals, was, like, 33, 34 – I mean, Embiid is 28 years old, and he missed the first few years of his career because of injury. So I, I get it. I also Chris, look at the what you're, caliber what, what of you're the guys that have made it. You know, Giannis is the reason. Giannis is part of the reason he hasn't gotten there. I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, I, I think that it's a really unbelievable time in the NBA. I tend to think, if I had to guess, gun to my head, does he make it to one? Does he just make it to a finals at some point? I would venture to guess he does at some point. Yeah. Um, somehow you know if it's someone paves the way because of an injury he just has he just goes off in a series i think it will happen for him at some point but i I don't like the whole and again i don't think it's you doing it but i don't i don't like the whole like we we shift on people really quickly when devin booker makes the finals we just shut up about the things we've said when trey young all of a sudden makes the playoffs and then makes the conference finals. We just kind of shut up about things. It's like, <laughs> Those came back though. <laughs> that one, yeah. Okay, so the Trey Young one. This is, but... this is this is what you're forgetting, Chris. What's and that? everything you said was completely right. Okay. It's the jokes are better than facts. It's that, <laughs> it's that jokes. It's that not, jokes. Not you nullifying everything I said because you're like it's jokes that are better jokes. than facts. Jokes will always defeat facts. Oh man. So yes, I completely agree. Chris Paul, Embiid, you look at their playoff resumes, etc. They're nowhere near as bad as people think. Yeah. Yes, Chris Paul has a couple bad losses, sure, but a lot of times it was bad luck. Embiid, one of the unluckiest playoff superstars ever. There's no question about it. It's always a fluke injury, a fluke shot, a fluke teammate. Like the guys lost in every way possible that wasn't his fault. But it's just funny. It's just funny every time. <laughs> every time they don't make the conference finals after the process, which was I know started a, to, it's just funny. I know a certain city that considers itself brotherly that would not consider you a sibling right about now because oh, you man. because you think it's funny. So listen, shout out to Philly, shout out to the birds going to the Super Bowl, shout out to Ishka Bibbles. I love Philadelphia. It's un- like, and I love Embiid. I genuinely love Embiid. I know people think because I've like staked myself with this Jokic guy, I don't like Embiid. I like Embiid. Other former podcast co hosts <laughs> do not. I'm an Embiid fan, <laughs> and I have no oh, truck with the man. city of Philadelphia. So it's too just funny. sometimes the jokes. I, I, I are think good it's going to happen for Dude at some point. I, I think he's yeah. too talented for it not to, but I also think that. Boston has not had, you know, and not that I want them to, or not that like I'm sitting here thinking that it's going to happen or hoping that it happens. Uh, you know, they haven't had a Tatum Brown injury that like yeah. is long and sustained that kind of changes the trajectory of a season for them. Uh, you know, I, I, I just kind of feel like it wouldn't take much to open up more of a window for Philly and for them to have one good, two good series where they just get lucky or for in the same way that some of these other teams have that's really all it would take for them and uh i just think about that title run that the raptors had where they were down 2-0 to the the nets i'm sorry not the nets the bucks 
and then came back and won four straight. And, uh, you know, granted, they had Kawhi Leonard, who just played an incredible series from that point on. But, it, you know, very much the way the Bucks then came back and, and came back from a 2-0 series hole against the Suns and then won. Uh, weird stuff happens sometimes. And, you know, Philly is capable, just as capable of being on the, the right end of a weird, funny stuff happening uh you know as any other team so we'll see we'll see what happens i'm curious to see what happens i can't wait to see who comes out of each conference yeah um and uh we'll, we'll see i can't wait to see who wins mvp this year because yeah. regardless of if mb gets it if it ends up being joker for a third straight time it's going to be fascinating to see how it goes down chris i think that'll do it for today's episode i got one quick question for you have you ever seen the ben affleck jack ryan movie the sum of all fears i have not seen it before no I got a lot of thoughts if and when you watch it. If you want to see a movie where the main character takes some... I've never seen a main character take as many L's as Affleck's character does. I thought you were about to say drugs. Sorry. (laughs) In this movie. (laughs) And then they try to sell it as if the America somehow won by the end of it. I was watching it like, how is this? Um, We'll have to save that. The only one I've seen recently, I saw The Whale. I think I was telling you a couple weeks ago. I saw yeah. the whale. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to go later this weekend uh, to see the M Night Shyamalan movie as we talk oh, about Philly. Oh, nice! There by we the go. way, that shout movie seems Manoj. really weird. Uh, shout out to my brother Manoj. Shout out to M Night, holding it down for the South Asian directors, man. <laughs> um, Chris, that will do it for today's episode. Uh, thank you so much for coming to hang. I apologize to everyone who's probably wondering why I sound so weird today. I'm fighting through a little bit of a cold. Thank you for everyone hanging in there with us. Please keep your emails coming. There are a couple of good emails I really wanted to get to today. We ran out of time. We're definitely going to hit them soon. So please keep your emails coming. Openfloormail at gmail.com. Um, until then, everyone continue to enjoy the NBA season. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Alec Baldwin. This past season on my podcast, Here's the Thing, I spoke with more actors, musicians, policymakers, and so many other fascinating people, like jazz bassist Christian McBride. Jazz is based on improvisation, but there's very much a form to it. You have a conversation based on that melody and those chord changes. So it's kind of like giving someone a topic and say, okay, talk about this. Listen to the new season of Here's the Thing, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.